just uh, waiting on my neighbor. Uh, said he was coming right back. He had to, had to take a phone call. I guess his lawyer called or something. I don't know. He's kind of been going through a tough time. Uh, but uh, he's crazy, man. <laughs> he just moved in like, like uh, three months ago. And, like, he talks to me all the time. Like, I swear, every time I take my trash to the curb, it's like he's waiting on me or something. <laughs> and then, I mean, he's cool. He's cool. It's just, you know, I'm not that much of a talker. You know, I, I don't know. I, like, my wife and I, we know maybe, like, three people on our street. And we don't even know their names. We just made up nicknames so we'd know who we were talking about. You know, like, like Red Door lives across the street. Uh, Crazy Dog is over there. Uh, Bill Rick is next door. Uh, call him Bill Rick because for the first six months he lived here, uh, his name, we call him Bill. Uh, turns out his name is Rick, so that was fun. Uh, but, you know, we, they don't really talk to us, and, and we don't really talk to them, and, and, and we like it that way, you know. And then, and then Chatty Kathy moved in, and it's kind of ruined all that. And, oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, he, he's, he's a nice guy. He really is, and, and you know, he needs... I don't know, he needs he need something. He's Jesus, really, I guess. I mean, he's been going through some stuff. and uh, But it's like, you know, what the heck am I going to say? <laughs> I, I have a tough enough time just, like, carrying out a regular conversation with people, let alone talking about God. Uh, you know, it's like, what, what do you say, really? I mean, how do, you, how do you even broach the subject? It's like, hey, man, uh, sorry about oh, that. Oh, that's okay. Everything, uh, everything all right? Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's ex-wife stuff, you know. It can get a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um Listen, I've, uh, I've just kind of been thinking about this the last couple of moments. Um, yeah. Uh, spit it out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, I just, I don't want to offend you in any way. Um, but, you know, you've kind of been going through some stuff. And, you know, I've certainly gone through some things. And Jesus has, has helped me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he could, he could help he could help you, uh, too. Um, Jesus from from the Bible? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I see. Yeah, Jesus can help me. Yeah. Okay. I see. <laughs> you know, how dare you judge me? I mean, you you think you can help me with oh, this? I no, mean, no, 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 <laughs> who do you no, think no. you are? No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying. You got this magic book, don't you? Telling you how to go save the world. What? Because I've got a problem here. You think, oh, he just needs Jesus. Well, you know what? I don't need Jesus. Okay. okay? Do you understand that? Okay. So if you come up to me again, talking about Jesus or, or God or whatever. So help me, God. I will kick your. Okay. You know, it probably wouldn't happen exactly like that. <laughs> but I mean, I I really don't know him that well. I, mean, I don't know what he would say. I don't I don't know what he would do. But the other thing is, like, I don't want to come across like this, like the arrogant, you know, Christian guy, you know, cramming God down everybody's throat. I don't want to come across like that. Morning. My name is Brad. I'm part of the staff team here at the Atchard site of Forest Grove Community Church. And for the past couple of months, we've been walking through a series called Follow Me. And the series is exploring what we call some discipleship steps. And at its core, discipleship simply means the process of becoming more like Jesus. It's simply the process in which we are changed to become more like Jesus. And these steps that we've been looking at throughout the past number of weeks are simply steps that we've come up with just to sort of help us 
in our own lives to become more like Jesus, but also as we walk together with one another, that we can spur each other on to become more and more like Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at part of the last step. We're going to look at the words, proclaim the gospel. And last week, for those of you who were here, Pastor Kevin and James spent some time exploring what the gospel was, what it means by the gospel. And we'll talk a bit more about that today as well. But we want to look together at what it means to proclaim the gospel in the circles that God has placed us in. I just want to start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And I thank you for this opportunity we have to gather into community, to gather in community to study Scripture together, to read Scripture and to try to to figure out what you've meant and what these words you've sent to us are. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be alive in this room today, that uh, as we go through this, that you would allow each one of us to apply these words to our lives in the way that you would have us do that. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at this idea of proclaiming the gospel and what it looks like to proclaim the gospel in our culture today. So in our culture is here in Canada or even closer here in Saskatoon in the 21st century, what does it look like to proclaim the gospel? And I believe part of the way we think of this is I've talked to people, uh, various people in the past uh, years, is that our culture has shifted a lot. And we currently live in a culture that in many ways has no longer uh, this idea of black and white. There's no idea of absolute truth. And what's come out is this idea that everyone has their own truth. And what's truth to me may not be truth to you. And what's truth to you may not be truth to me. And that's sort of the culture we're living in. And so we want to be very careful not to offend one another. We want to be very careful not to say something that would be offensive to somebody else. And I think that part of that has sort of led to a shift in how we even think about proclaiming the gospel. And it's been interesting to me, particularly in the last few years, when I talk to people about proclaiming the gospel, there's a quote that continually comes up. And we end up sort of starting the discussion around this quote. And the quote is this one here. It says, preach the gospel, or you could think of it as proclaim the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And to understand this, we have to start by looking at the context in which it was used. We have to go back and say, okay, so how was this originally used? Where does we find this? And, and so we go to the Gospels, and we very quickly realize that Jesus never actually said this. And so then we go through Scripture as a whole, and we read through Scripture even further, and we realize that it actually doesn't occur anywhere in Scripture. And so then, using the great research assistant, Google, I plugged it in, and very quickly learned that this quote is actually attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis of Assisi uh, was, was uh, in the last uh, part of the 12th century. Uh, he went around, he preached, he shared the gospel. And you can find thousands and thousands of images and memes with this quote attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. And as you look at his teachings, you realize that he clearly taught that our actions need to be parallel or need to, to, to reflect this renewed life that we have in Jesus. That how we act, that, uh, that, that how we, we go about our day, the, the walk of our life needs to be parallel to or reflect this changed life in Jesus. But he also taught that we need to proclaim the gospel. In fact, one of his other quotes that I found was, it said, he had said was, it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. 
And what he means by this is, if you're going somewhere to preach, if you're going somewhere to proclaim the gospel, you better make sure that the life you're living is reflecting that. Because if you go out and teach something, if you go out and proclaim something, but your life is contrary to what you're saying, it's not going to work. And so he did very much believe that our actions should be parallel to what we believe. But as I did a little more research, I realized that St. Francis of Assisi actually never said this. Even though there are thousands of things on the internet saying he did, which just proves that you can't always trust a meme. Um, <laughs> the earliest actual record of this quote is in a missions pamphlet in 1994. Uh, there's a number of places that said it actually appears nowhere in history prior to that date. And so it's interesting that in conversations I've had, we often come to this quote of when necessary, use words, and then we realize that it actually is just something that someone wrote very recently and kind of comes out of this culture that we live in. I believe that Jesus taught that our actions should reflect our new life in Christ. I believe that is a strong teaching of Jesus. In Matthew 5, verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our deeds, our actions, the way we behave should be different because of our belief in Jesus Christ. But that isn't the same as proclaiming the gospel. One of the problems with this idea that our actions should be what proclaims the gospel is that some of the nicest people I know don't know Jesus. Some of the nicest people I know, the people who actually best demonstrate what a renewed life in Jesus would look like by your actions— don't actually know Jesus. And if that's the case, you have to say, well, then that can't be enough that I just, do it with, I just use my actions to proclaim the gospel. So I want to begin by just defining these two words, proclaim and gospel, so that we have kind of a common understanding, at least for our discussion today, what they mean. You may have a slightly different understanding of them. When I use those words today, I want to have kind of a common language that we're using. The first one is proclaim, and I went to the dictionary for this one. And in the dictionary, we read that proclaim means to announce officially or publicly, to declare something one considers important with due emphasis. And so the word proclaim is this idea of, of passionately, officially announcing something in a public setting, or at least in front of others. And the word gospel, uh, there's many different definitions of the word gospel. Uh, we talked a lot about it last week. But for today, I just want to use this definition here that the gospel is the plan that God has designed to save sinful humans from eternal separation from him through the blood of Jesus for all who believe. There's a lot in there. But it's that idea that God had a plan to restore us to him. And it happens through the blood of Jesus for all who believe in him. And so with this understanding of proclaim and the word gospel... We want to look at, okay, so what does that look like today in our culture? Psalm 96, verses 2 to 4 tell us, Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day, proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all God. The gospel literally means good news. And when we have good news, the natural response is to want to tell people about it. When your sports team wins, when you're a new parent or a new grandparent, when you get engaged, we want to tell people that. Because the good news, the thing we're excited about, we want to let come out. We want to proclaim that. And it should be the same with our faith. And so as we discuss this this morning, I want to look at the passage from Romans chapter 10. And so if you have Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn with me 
to Romans chapter 10. If you don't, the passages will come up on the screen as well so you can follow along. And in Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 9, we read, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So in this passage, Paul is giving us kind of a a quick summary of what salvation is. And when we talk about salvation, we're talking just about this idea that God has a plan to save us. It's that idea of the gospel. He's put in place a plan to restore us to him through the blood of Jesus. And as we look at this passage, we see that that Paul's using two terms. He's using this idea of believing and the idea of our heart and confessing uh, using our mouth to, to confess. And so he says the plan of salvation sort of looks like this. Now it's important for us to realize that the word heart today is very different than the way the word was used back in the time the Bible was written. Today when we talk about something happening in our heart, it has to do with affections, emotions, the sentimental feelings that we have. And that's sort of how we use about something that we feel in our heart. In the time that that Paul would have written this, heart referred to the complete human existence. Your complete life, the intellectual side, the emotional side. It talked about one's consciousness and one's choices. It was everything that we are. And so when he says that we should believe in our heart that Jesus is the Lord, he's talking about believing with every ounce of our being, with everything that we are, in our mind, in our heart, in our emotions, in our life. Everything we have believes in Jesus Christ as Lord. And Paul goes on to say, when we do that and confess with our mouth, Paul sees that as the natural next step. If we truly believe in Jesus with every ounce of our being, with everything that we are, and, we, and we've accepted his life, the natural outcoming of that is we're going to confess it with our mouth. We're going to want to tell people, we're going to want to proclaim the gospel. It's sort of the natural outflowing of this type of belief. We continue to read through Romans. He goes on and says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the Scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So again, he sums up what he said previously with this simple statement to say that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this idea of being saved is the idea of being restored to him. We have to understand that that even again, this idea of calling on the name of the Lord refers back to these previous verses. The calling on the name of the Lord comes from this belief. And so what he's saying here is anyone who believes in the Lord with their heart, with every part of their being, when you believe in the Lord in that way and call on his name, you will be saved. Now this becomes really important in these next few verses we look at. Because now he's going to start talking to us. Paul starts teaching us about what it means or what what is required to get to this point of calling on the name of the Lord. So each time that he talks about calling on the name of the Lord, we're understanding that as being this this coming out of this belief. And then he lays out in the next few verses this process for us. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So he says, anyone who calls will be saved, but how can they call if they don't believe? 
And then he says, and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This passage is often used uh, when we commission and send out missionaries. It's often used when we commission new pastors or preachers. And often thought of in the sense of being set, some people that are set apart to go out. And it does apply to that. We have international workers and local uh, partners that we partner with as a church who are going about proclaiming the gospel on a daily basis. And as a church, we want to support them in that. We want to pray for them. We want to support them financially. We want to encourage them. We have a, a brochure on the rack in the back. If you've never picked one of these up, pick one of these up. It just, it just talks inside a bit about some of the people that we're, that we're supporting. Some of them who work right here in our city, in our country, and literally around the world. And on the back of it, it just gives you some practical ways on how you can pray for them. And there's times I know that myself that, that I think, you know, I should pray for our missionaries. And I'm like, what do I even say? What, just... God be with them and let things go well for them. Because I'm like, I don't know what to say. There's, there's some, some practical guidelines of intentional ways that we can be praying for our international workers. And they are going about this job of proclaiming the gospel around the world. And, and we're excited about that and we want to partner with them with that. But as I look at this passage, even though it's often used to describe missionaries, in some translations it even talks about to preach, for who will go and preach and who will be commissioned to preach. But the original Greek words are actually better translated the way the NLT does, which is on the screen right now, and uses the word, who will tell them? And how will they tell them if they haven't been sent? And then I think back to the Great Commission, where every believer was told, go and make disciples. So who are the ones that were sent? The people who believe. Each one of us who believes has already been sent whether or not we respond to the call. And then you can, you can work your way through these questions. So, so how will they call if they don't believe? And how will they believe if they don't hear? And how will they hear if, if no one tells them? And how will they tell them if no one is sent? That's what we're going to have to do. That's our responsibility. Proclaiming the gospel involves us, Christ's disciples, working through this process of discipleship, of growing to be more like Jesus, Sharing with others. Telling others. There are a few observations that I've made or some thoughts that I've had on this over the past while that I want to share with you. Some of you may agree with some of these. Some of you may not. The first of these is that I believe that proclaiming the gospel is best received in the context of relationship. I think that there was a time... Uh, or I know there was a time when people were out on street corners with pamphlets and a megaphone telling people they need Jesus. There were times when it was big rallies and revival meetings and people set up tents and invited everybody to them and people heard about Jesus. And there was a time that that seemed to work well. My experience has been that in our culture, that time isn't now. I believe that in our culture that the proclaiming of the gospel occurs best in the context of relationship. It's listening for the Holy Spirit for those times when you can just, when those opportunities open up. 
It's not like even, even as uh, we saw in that video at the beginning, it's not about forcing it down someone's throat or trying to, it's just finding those natural opportunities when someone says something, you're like, you know what, well, this is what I believe. And looking for those natural openings and conversations. And the reason we do that is if we truly believe in the gospel message with everything we are, why wouldn't we want to share it with others? Why wouldn't we want to share it with those around us? If we truly believe it's the good news, why wouldn't we want to share it? And so I believe that, that it's best shared in the context of family relationships, of friendships, of coworkers, listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit for those opportunities that we can share what is so important to us. But I also believe, and this is going to sound somewhat contradictory, I believe there are times that the Holy Spirit prompts us to proclaim the gospel to people he puts into our path for a short season. Sometimes that short season might be hours. And there's times that the, the, the Holy Spirit just prompts us to share part of our story, to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel in situations he just puts in our path. I, I think of the story that Pastor Maureen shared just a couple of weeks ago for you, those of you who heard it. She's on an airplane sitting next to somebody. That's when I have headphones on buried in something and say, please don't talk to me. And she just noticed the person next to her started crying. And she just talked to them. And as she talked to them, the other person actually brought up some, 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 some spiritual things that they were working through and stuff. And, and Maureen just, said, just felt that prompting and said, I, I'm just going to talk to this person. Had an opportunity to pray with that person. And may never see that person again. Who knows? And has no idea where that's going to lead or, or where that person's life is going to go next. But she felt for that moment there was a prompting of the Holy Spirit that she needed to proclaim the gospel. That she needed to share what was so important to her with the person sitting beside her in an airplane. There was a time, particularly before I was married, that whenever I traveled, I, I used to live about 12 hours away from my parents. And so whenever I was driving across country, I, I constantly was picking up hitchhikers, which led to some crazy stories. Um, but it was just a way to pass the time for me. Not saying you should do that. I'm just saying it's something I did. But uh, there were times that we would talk for hours and hours, and I just never felt the window was open to say anything. And whether that was just me not listening to the Spirit or if that was just the, the situation, I don't know. But there were other times where I just felt there was this, this clear prompting in the Spirit, you need to tell this person what you believe in. And that there was an opening there, and I did. And again, I don't know what happened with these people. I don't know where their journey is going to go. And that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to respond to the prompting of the Spirit in that moment. And so I think that in the, in the best case, the gospel is proclaimed in the context of relationships. But there are times that God puts people in our path and prompts us to proclaim the gospel, and we just need to be open to respond to those promptings. And the third thought I have on this is that we need to find a way to balance the tension between boldness in proclaiming the gospel and sensitivity in the relationships that we have. And I think that's really important. I think that there are times that we can actually be too bold and too forceful, and that's not helpful. In 1 Peter 3, verses 15 to 16, we read, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But he goes on to say, But do this in a gentle and respectful way. He's saying, if we have the opportunity to share with others our testimony, if we have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel, do so. But he tells us to do this in a gentle and respectful way. We need to be sensitive to others. We need to be sensitive to where they're at in their journey. But I also think that in our culture today, we tend to give more weight to being sensitive 
to being bold. I know in my own life, I'm far more careful about the sensitive side than the bold side, and I'll yield that way every time if I just rely on my own strength. And I believe often, I know in my own life, and in people I've talked to, often it's actually less about sensitivity and more about fears that I have. I have fears of offending somebody. I have fears that they're not going to respond well. I have fears that they'll judge me. I have fears that they won't like me anymore. I have fears of how they're going to react. I have fears if I actually have the right words to say or if I'm even the right person to do this. And so sometimes what I think is being sensitive to another person is actually just me not coping well with my own fears. 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8 say, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. I know we've heard that verse in our, in our congregation here numerous times. It's one of Pastor Bruce's favorite uh, verses. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, so that, it says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. It says, we're not made to be timid, but we have power, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. He goes right on to say, proclaim the gospel. That he has that, that strength for us. We started off with a quote, and I want to leave us uh, here with another one uh, that refers to it. It says, saying preach the gospel daily, use words if necessary, is like saying feed the hungry, Use food if necessary. And what he means in this quote is, is yes, our, our life and our actions have to reflect our life in Jesus, but we have to be willing to use our words. We have to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit prompting us of when those times are that we can share with our words. And it's not about use words if necessary. It is necessary. It's part of the way God has taught us to proclaim the gospel. I also want to remind us that it's important to remember that whether or not a person accepts to follow Jesus is not me and is not my responsibility. If someone chooses to follow Jesus with their life, it's not something I did. And if they choose not to, it's not because I did something wrong. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so whether or not someone accepts Jesus is a work of the Holy Spirit in their life. But what I am responsible for is when I'm prompted is to follow that prompt. What I'm responsible for is when I have those opportunities to proclaim the gospel, that I proclaim those gospel, that I proclaim the gospel. And I do it out of love because I believe that this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the most exciting thing that has ever happened to me. Why wouldn't I want to share it with somebody else? As we conclude this morning, I want to go back to the video that we started with and watch the last little piece of that video. Now, now, there's a whole middle chunk that we actually cut out this morning. If you want to watch it, you can watch it either on our Facebook page. There's a link to it in the study questions. Where he actually, this guy by the garbage can, actually goes through a number of scenarios of what could possibly happen if he decided to share his faith. And they go in all kinds of crazy rabbit holes and tangents. But this is where he ends up as he's thinking through that. This whole thing, it's, uh, it just freaks me out, you know? It's like, what, I mean, what if I say something that's like so ridiculous, you know, so stupid? It's, it's like not even in the Bible, you know? It's just like way off base. It's like, oh, what, I don't know what to say. I'm not a pastor, you know? 
But it's like I could see this thing going terribly wrong in so many different ways. It's like I, I, get, I don't want to think. I don't even go there. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> What's the alternative? I mean, really. What, what happens if I say nothing? You know, I mean, like, here's this guy. He needs help. There's an open door there. What? I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk through it. It's like, I don't, I don't know the situation. I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm his last chance, you know, to hear about Christ. Like, 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 <laughs> the only thing standing between him and hell is me. <laughs> it's like, like, what, what if he needs me? Hey, man, uh, sorry about that. Like, what if he's counting on me? 